This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to The Retail Insider the Weekly Podcast. We're currently recording on September the 26th, and I'm joined with Craig Patterson, the Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for joining me today, Craig. Hello, everyone. Excellent. And uh, today's podcast, we're just mentioning the advertiser of Planet Construction. We'll have a message from them later on in the uh, in the podcast. But So right off the bat, we have quite a few things that we wanted to talk about because it's been a very busy week on Retail Insider. But uh, the first item uh, we wanted to chat about is the Toronto Dior store because they opened up their largest flagship in North America on the Mink Mile. And again, looking at our photos, because we have tons of them on our, in our article, there is 13... A thousand three hundred square feet, two level store, um, was done by JLL Brokerage, for and so I wanted to talk to you, Craig, because I know that you did a tour of it. So take us through it. What is you? What did you think? Was it as jaw dropping as the photos look? <laughs> it was a really neat tour. I went there with Mike Kehoe from uh, Fairfield uh, Commercial out of Calgary. We were doing a fun tour. He's a, he's a great friend. He's a great guy and. Uh, so, you know, you walk into this Dior store, it's in the Colonnade, which is, uh, funny enough, a heritage building, even though it was built in the 50s. And uh, so you walk into this Dior store and, you know, the main floor, it's lovely, it's beautiful, it's luxurious, but, you know, you don't really realize what you're going to be getting into once you uh, look up the staircase. There's a artwork there that looks like paint that's sort of cascading down in a very elegant way. But as you descend up the staircase... Uh, or ascend, I guess is actually the correct term. <laughs> um, the second floor has these soaring ceilings because um, they managed to take out space, like kind of third level mezzanine space, I guess, uh, from the colonnade. So, um, you know, it's a very, very dramatic space. Uh, you know, it's it's bright, it's quite, you know, it's open. And uh, um, my jaw kind of dropped. I thought, my God, this store is really quite spectacular and uh, it's the first in North America to carry the Dior home collection uh, I'm oh. not wealthy enough to have known that there was a Dior home collection nor would no, I probably no, no. purchase that yeah. stuff I mean uh, I should have probably known but anyways I don't know yeah, yeah. everything that all brands have but the store is really really impressive I mean I would encourage everyone you know if they're anywhere near Bloor Street in Toronto it's 131 Bloor Street West to go and check this Dior store out because holy cow it's uh, definitely it's a uh, it's retail yeah. retail art I gotta tell you when I was looking at the, because um, uh, I'm in Vancouver, of course, and when I wander through the Hotel Vancouver, that's where their store is as well. And it, it always seems to have this cool uh, color palette, and it, it just looks like it's a stunning store as well. I've never had the guts to go into it. For some reason, I love the Louis Vuitton store there, and I go there all the time. But for um, Dior, when I've gone in or I've gone by it, uh, when I look at the photos in our article that uh, are mentioning and showing some of the Vancouver store, it's it, like that staircase. That's stunning. Like, what is like? Is it mirrors in the staircase that's there, or is it, is it screens, or what is that? It's some sort of screen that seems to have color uh, behind it of different patterns, and uh, that I mean that store in itself is also spectacular, and they're quite different because you know the Vancouver stores I guess is a bit of an older style for Dior, or like. A, about three years old perhaps but it's really flashy like you know the Toronto store is beautiful but it's a little more muted and uh, the Vancouver store is just you know over the top you know glamorous and you know depending on your taste you know someone might like one over the other but you know looking at the photos of the van I've actually been to the Vancouver store as well and like holy cow it is amazing as well so I don't even know if I would have a favorite I mean the Toronto store is currently a little bit bigger but the Vancouver one is like jaw-dropping as well I would have to say yeah. so you know holy cow yeah they're they're both Toronto and Vancouver both have incredible Dior stores 
Yeah, no, and I'd love to, I'm looking forward to seeing the one in Toronto whenever I'm there next, but um, I was just taking a look through the article and back to the Toronto, um, the flagship that just opened. It was, what, three years in the making? I was just wondering why it takes three years to open up a store like this. I know, I know. I mean, I was told um, from someone at the ICSC conference that I was at this week in Toronto that I guess because this was this store is being used as a prototype, for future Dior flagships around the world mm-hmm. that I guess some of the fixtures were made, but they didn't quite fit. They had to redo them. Um, I guess there were a few little complications there. Also, they were very exacting in terms of their standards and what they wanted for the store and things were redesigned a bit. And I think the mezzanine area was perhaps added uh, or, you know, decided a little bit later. So, you know, they really took their time to build the store because, uh, right. you know, it, it was almost three years, I guess, since Chanel had left. Chanel had occupied that space before, but it wasn't as large and it certainly wasn't as dramatic in terms of its ceiling heights but uh, and then to top it all off i guess there was a structural issue behind the building afterwards that uh, uh, you know resulted in dior opening a little bit later Um, but i've got some insider uh, info actually that uh, i added to the article last night in there yeah well so what it is is um the new york city flagship on 57th street will become the largest in north america i don't know if it's going to be in the world but uh, that store is about eight thousand square feet they're going to add three more floors They're yeah. going to, it'll be about 23,000 square feet, so 10,000 square feet bigger than the one in Toronto, and it's going to have a Dior cafe. Oh, oh, oh my, I have no idea what that would even look like. Me neither. <laughs> I'm, I'm just totally like dreaming about that right now. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it remains to be seen. It may be worth a trip yeah. to New York in 2020 when it opens. Oh, totally. But like other than that fun news, just moving on to our next article that we have, because we have five that we want to touch base on. But I think that we got an exclusive or um, news from the Barry's Boot Camp in Vancouver that's going to be opening. Do you want to kind of give us a little bit of the inside scoop on that, Craig? You betcha. We can finally announce that Barry's Boot Camp is opening in Vancouver. Whoa. And <laughs> it's actually picked a location at the base of an office tower uh, on Pender Street in uh, downtown Vancouver. It's uh, 1035 West Pender, I believe. I actually wrote the article last week, so I almost forgot because uh, it actually has been a while. Uh, yeah. You know, not the cheapest concept, I guess you would say, in terms of uh, yeah. <laughs> their membership yeah. fees. You can pay quite a bit of money for it. But um, so this will be the fourth location in Canada. The first one opened, I think, late 2017 in Toronto's Entertainment District, which was actually the largest Barry's Boot Camp of all of them, I believe, at 8,000 oh. square wow. feet. Uh, second one actually opened literally downstairs from where I live in Bloor Yorkville in Toronto at the base of the 100 Bloor Podium. Uh, that was the second one. And um, I'm not sure if the Calgary one's opened yet, but that'll be actually the first in the world hybrid berries boot camp and Lululemon store. Well, and that's like, it's very interesting. It seems like a, a cult following kind of um, brand because like for myself, I do the high intensity um, uh, training as well, but I do it through Orange Theory. So like I, it's very easy for me to draw a comparison between the two and like an unlimited monthly membership is about $180 in Vancouver. So for me to look at like $415 per month for like 30 sessions monthly for Barry's Bootcamp, that definitely is a different um, price point. But uh, so I was kind of really surprised with that. And but nearby there, they also have like CrossFit 604. Um, there's like two Orange Theories in the downtown. So they definitely have some stiff competition there. But 
I was kind of surprised at the location that they had chosen because like if you have been listening to the news at all in Vancouver, there's all kinds of shootings that happen there. And uh, but like, I mean, that's their doorsteps away from CrossFit 604. So it's, it's not like it's uh, it's not in good company there either. But yeah, I was just really surprised that um, like especially in Gastown, it makes sense, I guess. But is it more? Is there any rhyme or reason do you think that they have for locations that they have? Yeah, I mean, Barry's is very careful with the locations that they choose. I'm actually not familiar with CrossFit 604. I also don't think the shootings are going to be regular in that area. It's, no, I uh, hope not. Yes, it's, it's the edge of Coal Harbor. And what's interesting about that area is there's actually a very wealthy demographic within uh, basically a condominium community. And some of those apartments, you know, are 10, 20, even over $30 million. So yes. Yeah. Uh, definitely there are wealthy people there. You know, uh, Barry's is a bit of a different concept in terms of, uh, you know, it does have, I guess you'd say, some prestige to it uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the washrooms are fitted out with, you know, high-end uh, product that, uh, you know, you can use before and after. And, uh, um, you know, definitely just had a cult following, kind of like Lululemon, funny enough. I mean, the partnership makes perfect sense in my mind, but, you know, for in Calgary that is. But, uh, you know, I think Barry's is really going after, um, you know, someone who's quite driven, someone, you know, with a six figure or more, you know, annual salary type of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, it is in the central business district uh, in Vancouver, which, you know, does have a population of office workers as well. So uh, yeah. probably they've picked a pretty decent location, I think, because you're going to get the workers and you're going to get the wealthy locals. Well, if you take a look, like Equinox opened up their club as well. And it was just, I think it's by the Trump Tower, which is literally like two blocks away from the main, like Cole Harbor area there. So that kind of makes sense, especially if you're going after the well-heeled. Um, but like literally this location is almost uh, like 10 blocks further like eastward. So it's within walking distance. But even for me, like going from when I lived in Cole Harbor right next to Equinox here, it was a, a, like a mental barrier to walk all the way to CrossFit 604. So that's why I ended up not going there. So <laughs> anyway, so I just thought that was interesting just to bring up. But um, but beyond Vancouver, back to Toronto, um, La Durée is opening up a second location in downtown Toronto and in the financial district. And this is uh, an awesome article for me because I adore this company. Uh, in Vancouver, they have uh, a laboratory as well as uh, several locations. And I, if I could live and breathe those, I would eat them every single day. Love it, love it. So I was very excited to see this article. But um, so, Craig, I I have seen their first location in Yorkdale, which seemed like an odd location to kind of open up with. It doesn't necessarily have like a patio and all that kind of stuff that you would think of. But uh, so moving on to the downtown, into the financial district, as opposed to like Eaton Center, is there some thought that are behind our strategy that you can see that they would be opening up in the locations that they are in Toronto? Yes. I mean, I was actually honestly surprised when I found out that Adelaide was opening its first location in Toronto and Yorkdale, Yorkdale. only because I kind of expected you know, Yorkville, to be honest, I expected some sort of, you know, maison with an outdoor patio, as you said. And, uh, you know, at the same time, though, it does kind of make sense for Yorkdale because Yorkdale is trying to be all things to all people. It's got a lot of high end retail. So it's really this kind of like a place of concept shops. There's Dyson. There's going to be a Kit Kat store opening soon. 
uh, you know, Restoration Hardware or RH. You know, there's Tora. We actually ate there, that really cool sushi place oh, with conveyors. And oh, yum. So, you know, York, Yorkdale's really neat because it's almost becoming a bit of a playground. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty neat. But the second location is going to be in the um, concourse of the Exchange Tower, which is connected to First Canadian Place mm-hmm. in the Toronto's Financial District. Yeah. It'd be quite small, 680 square feet. And uh, again, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, when uh, Alessia reached out and mentioned this. She's uh, the Canadian uh, licensed or franchisee, however that's set up. And uh, I thought, well, that's really interesting because, again, I expected Yorkville to be the second location for that. In fact, uh, David Holder, who's the owner of the company, told me that that was it. But he also mentioned they were looking at doing an express concept in Toronto's financial district, maybe. So, um, you know, it is moving forward. I was uh, down there today and uh, looked at the hoarding. It's not open, but I I walked by and did a wonderful tour with Bolay. There's the uh, consultancy that, uh, you know, is working with a landlord to put tenants in there and uh, I think it'll be great. I also think that uh, probably maybe there will be a third Toronto location. I'm speculating but I really do think the Bloor Yorkville neighborhood would make a lot of sense for La Delay to open something larger and a little more dramatic as well as to complement the financial district because you know the financial district has a lot of workers. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people work down there so they're going to have customers, they're going to do deliveries, you know they're going to cater. And um, however, it's going to be open Monday to Friday and not on the weekends currently. Oh, well, I don't know. Like for me, when I take a look at their pastries, um, they are almost like $11 for a pastry. So like, and don't get me wrong. I also love Apple when, when they announce something, there's money flying out of my wallet already. But like when it comes to La Durée, I would like easily eat like one of those and be like in cloud nine. But again, it's $11. So I'm wondering how like that's going to go down in the financial district with workers that are, you know, so an express location or something, are they going to have more not signature pieces or a couple of them, but, but try to drive that model by stuff that's a little like half that price or I'm uh, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, the financial district's really interesting in Toronto because, you know, there are many other food vendors in that area. Yes. Um, and, you know, again, a plug for Bolay, they're not sponsoring, but, you know, I had a wonderful tour again today with, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the consultancy and, uh, um, they've got incredible tenants down there and there are more coming. Like it's such an interesting place. And one thing to keep in mind about Toronto's financial district is there are a lot of people that are making a lot of money. I mean, there are many people making, you know, yeah. well over $100,000 a year. There are people making over a million dollars a year. So I don't know if the price point is actually going to really uh, be, be a factor. Of an issue. Yeah. yeah. But you take a look at, at uh, their uh, La Durée classics and you know, the Rose Raspberry saint Honoré is $11. So like that's what they consider a classic, which I hope that they would be having there too. Um, but a lot of the other ones are, again, 11, 11, 11. I'm just looking at their menu right now and, you know, living in heaven right now. But yeah, so I'm interested to see how like the, you know, carry and go kind of um, menu is going to form out from there as well, because I've only fixated on these awesome and amazing $11 versions. So <laughs> and now I'm wondering if they'll all be carried only because Toronto doesn't have a commissary kitchen yet. Uh, oh. Vancouver does. Oh, yeah. You're talking about this uh, patisserie, uh, pastry laboratory that opened up in, in Vancouver. But how does that change the products that there, that would then be available once they open up one like that in Toronto, like a laboratory in Toronto as well? 
Yes, and I believe uh, a deal could be done for one in Toronto pretty soon. So that's a rumor through the grapevine. It's not a rumor I heard this. But uh, um, there'll be more f- uh, fresh baked goods uh, in Toronto uh, because in Vancouver right now with that kitchen, they actually brought in a chef from Paris and mm. uh, moved to Vancouver and oh, is uh, so operating it. <laughs> I know. So Toronto, you know, isn't quite there yet in terms of just because they don't have the pastry laboratory. I called it a commissary kitchen, which is actually kind of, I think, the same thing. In fact, I'm sure it is. It but doesn't, doesn't sound like mad scientists like going into like <laughs> what new creation of uh, you know croissant can we make today but (laughs) (laughs) but no like I uh, cannot say enough good things about this um, this uh, like La Durée because I I just adore their pastry so sponsor a podcast I will eat anything you make so yay (laughs) and this is another incredible tenant for Toronto's financial district Mm. again I took a tour today and what I found really fascinating is it is transforming I mean it was very much just a business center it had fairly standard tenants that may have been a little uninspired in you know years and decades past but it is really becoming a significant retail hub and I think we're going to see more really interesting concepts like this coming so I'm quite excited because you know the city of Toronto is transforming right now and it's transforming quite quickly so it's kind of one of those stay tuned and you know keep your ear to the ground keep reading Retail Insider because we'll try to keep you informed. And a quick word about one of our advertisers, which is Planet Construction. They're continually focused on delivering high-quality, dependable general contracting services, consulting, project management, and comprehensive facilities management for national clients across North America. Visit their website at planetconstruction.com to see their latest projects, including the World of Burberry, that's at Holt Renfrew in Toronto's Yorkdale Shopping Centre, which will be the first World of Burberry boutiques within a Canadian department store. And in Toronto, continue on that bend, um, Hublot is opening up a standalone uh, boutique in Toronto. And I think it was in Yorkdale as well. But can you tell us a little bit about that? Because the one in Vancouver is quite a sizable store. So I was just wondering how that sizes up against the one at Yorkdale that's opening. Yeah, yeah. This fall, um, Hublot, it's a high-end watch brand, quite well known for its chronographs and technicality and stuff. I don't even wear a watch, so like, you know, I'm talking about it without you know any real knowledge whatsoever there's all kinds of watch aficionados out there and so they're going to open a little shop it'll be about a little over 700 square feet uh, there used to be a purdy shop there it's next to van cleef and arpels so um you mentioned the size i mean the vancouver hublot store it's on alberni street in the luxury zone as we call it and uh, that store is 2800 square feet now keep in mind the vancouver store number one is one of the largest hublot stores in the entire world Apparently it does quite well. And uh, number two, the Canadian headquarters are also there as well. So uh, I know the uh, uh, franchisee or licensee, whichever the term is uh, for that, it might be franchisee. But uh, what I'm thinking is, you know, given the size of the Yorkdale location, uh, there may be another one perhaps at some point that would open in the downtown core, probably again, you know, the Bloor Yorkville area where a lot of luxury brands are opening stores as well. And that neighborhood again is also transforming quite a bit but uh, you know Yorkdale is really interesting because a lot of first to market concepts are coming into Yorkdale and uh, it's kind of like uh, you know cities like Melbourne and Australia it's a little bit similar in that respect where you know maybe instead of going on to Collins Street in Melbourne they'll you know go to the Chadstone Shopping Centre but at some point you know hopefully they'll be coming into the downtown core as well. Yeah, I know, absolutely, because I was wondering about if there was going to be a larger location, because it seemed like the one in Yorkdale was more of a boutique versus like the full-on store that was going on on Alberni and Vancouver. So, yeah, it makes sense that they would probably be looking for something with a little bit larger of a, a square footage 
lot. But again, like, I mean, I'm thinking about watches like, okay, like Dior, for example, like if you need to display a whole bunch of different sizes of like a dress, pants, shirt, all that kind of stuff, it makes sense. They need square footage, but it's a watch. Like how much yeah. more square footage do you need? That's right. I mean, retail now, you know, for these high-end stores, even if you're only displaying 12 watches in a Richard Meal store, they want to create an environment and they want to curate an ecosystem that speaks to luxury. So, uh, you know, I was talking to people from Richard Meal in Toronto. There's actually a quite large boutique on the second floor of a building on Yorkville Avenue. And uh, they were saying, you know, they've only got a few in stock. They're four or five, six hundred thousand dollars or even over a million dollars in some cases. Yeah. Like cost as much as a house, right? But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and what also I thought was interesting about Richard Meal, anyways, is they actually sold out of some styles. So apparently there's rich people spending, you know, six figures or more on a watch. But um, it really is about curating that experience. So even though a watch is, you know, something you can, you know, literally fit around your wrist, uh, having, you know, a large square footage is creating this uh, environment that people are going to come into and sit down and relax and, you know, luxuriate and whatever else you know, rich people do when they... <laughs> exactly. But uh, like I think there's a Rolex uh, shop that opened up in the Shangri-La in Vancouver as well. That it's like one of the largest as well. Which again, square footage, big. You know, they're mostly watches, but they're also it's a large square footage happening there as well. Same thing, yeah. That Rolex store um, in Alberni Street is the largest in the Western wow. Hemisphere, or at least it was when it opened. Maybe something in New York happened, kind of like yeah, Dior. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's cool. And congratulations back to uh, Hublot, though, because they, again, had uh, the store when you walk by it in Vancouver is stunning. So I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like in the Yorkville or your part of me, Yorkdale Mall, because I uh, I've only been there once. So <laughs> Toronto's a city of Yorks. <laughs> yes. And the last kind of article that we wanted to quickly highlight from uh, from Retail Insider is from Midtown Plaza, which they now call Midtown. Um, I grew up in Saskatchewan, so this is a mall that I always would be, you know, like looking forward to going to as we went into the city. It was really interesting just to walk through the mall and just to see how all the major brands that I would see in Vancouver are there. Um, and but uh, yeah, so the, it looks like the like a, a lot of landlords. There's an issue with Sears exiting because I think on one side is Hudson Bay's anchoring, and then the other other end of the mall was Sears. Now they have this void. But the top floor looks like they actually converted it into this uh, food court, food hall that is, it has such a, a unique artist, uh, uh, architectural ceiling that's, it just makes a really nice space there. And it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people would like to come to for lunch and it looks over the South Saskatchewan river. So it's, it's a really cool. So I, but I wanted to ask you, Craig, like there's so many of these, um, kind of food ventures going into these old, um, Sears locations. Is there any like major difference between like a food hall versus a food court? Yeah. I mean, I thought this was an elevated food court. I haven't been there. You were there. So yeah, but, it's, uh, it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, looking at the photos and seeing who the tenants are, I mean, I, I would consider this to be a bit more maybe of an elevated food court within a shopping center, but it looks stunning. I mean, the high ceilings, the natural light coming through the windows. I mean, very often food courts, you know, say CF Toronto Eaton Center, I mean, so many examples, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like underground. Maybe they yes. don't have windows. Uh, actually, another amazing one, CF Sherway Gardens in Toronto, not to keep blabbing, but other places. But, you know, some of these, uh, now these elevated food, well, I, actually, I should say this. 
a lot of these um, you know food centers are becoming more elevated whether or not they're a food court a food hall um, they're really places to draw people in people are drawn to natural light if hopefully it's maybe sunny out but uh, you know uh, Midtown as it's now called they just dropped Plaza from the name as you mentioned uh, uh, you know is really elevating itself and uh, you know in the article that uh, Mario Tonaguzzi wrote uh, he was saying that the old uh, food court was doing about $1,700 a square foot per year which is great I mean yeah, you know, that's, that's reasonable yeah, the new one now they're saying is 2200 to 2400 um, is what it is or what the projections are, one of the two. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show that good design can uh, result in retailers and shopping centers making more money. So yeah. uh, I, that's great news. Well, I think the old food course was like almost 25 years old, but I think they released that out to Mountain Equipment Co-op, I think is the, the one that's coming in. I was just trying to find that in the article again, but the, like, the food... Um, court hall is only going to be the top floor of that sewer space but i think below it they're anticipating a shopper's boutique going in there as well so it was kind of nice to go see it it's still mid-construction when i was there a couple weeks ago but um just wanted to make sure that we brought that into the podcast because you know go rough riders it's a awesome place to be from so and again like it's, it's a stunning place so if you guys are in the neighborhood in saskatchewan it's definitely a good place to go have pick up a bite to eat and then also stop in for the other shopping that's there too yeah, I mean, Saskatoon is really seeing a lot of uh, change. You know, definitely. I mean, you know, real estate prices spiked, you know, with oil and, uh, you know, they, they're not low now, certainly by any means. But, you know, Saskatoon is, you know, and Regina as well. These cities are really seeing, uh, you know, a resurgence and that includes retail. And what's really neat about those cities is that their main retail centers are in the downtown core. And that's not something that you necessarily see in a lot of cities these days, you know, in Canada. So... Um, well, I also yeah, saw that there was a Burks next door, right? So that's one of their standalone stores. Because, like, like, for me, in Royal uh, Park Royal in, in West Vancouver has like uh, a, a, a Burke store in the actual um, mall itself. But like downtown Vancouver has its own little Burks that's on um, on Hastings there. But um, yeah, like the the actual like again going back into the sands of time when I was you know growing up. Um, seeing Burks there, going by the Besborough, all that kind of stuff is kind of like kind of the fabric of that downtown. So it's nice to see that they're not just letting the Midtown Plaza atrophy and they're trying to continue to add to it, draw more people into the core, keep it alive and going. And even the rebrand to Midtown is is awesome to see. So one of the other articles I just was issued this week was Oxford Properties was announcing an omni-channel platform initiative. And so when I saw this article, my eyes glazed over and I saw Omnichannel and I didn't even bother like looking further into it. So like you know, now I would like you to tell me about it because Omnichannel is not a sexy kind of name. So what does that mean? And what is the big deal about Oxford and like going and investing this kind of initiative into their centers? Yeah, I mean, I think the word omni-channel is going out anyway, so we won't have to hear it too much longer because uh, there's really almost one channel. And, and so what Oxford Properties has done, is, you know, the landlord says that it's the first in the country to do this, which I would assume is true. Um, they've created a thing now where you can, uh, you know, go on a website and you can see what products is gonna, are going to be in the stores and the malls. Uh, I think there's currently 70 retailers participating. I'm sure many more will come on board especially if they've seen this a retail insider. And <laughs> so um, it, basically what they're doing now is you can kind of shop anywhere at any time. The initiative is called Search, Find, Shop Now. Now is okay. in uh, all caps. And uh, it's, it's basically you know, the landlord working with the retailers to create 
something that I think consumers are already wanting, and that is not to have to just go to the mall and search and hope to goodness that something is there. So say, you know, a woman was looking for a black dress, she could enter that in as a search term, and they're going to say all these stores have black dresses, and, you know, this is what they've got, and, you know, she could order it online, or she could go into the store, or, you know, this could almost do it in any way that you want. So because one thing that I think retail is going to be like in the future is, you know, if you, you want it now, you can kind of get it now. And uh, if you want that experience in the store or you want to try it on or, you know, it's easy to, or to return in a store, you know, that can be done or a person can order it online if they're busy or just don't feel like going out. So um, really, I think, you know, Oxford Properties is on the forefront of this uh, initiative. Uh, I definitely think other landlords will be also doing similar things at some point. In Cadillac Fairview, we've reported before has that Ravel initiative, which is almost like a tech incubator within the uh, landlord's operations. And they're looking at doing all kinds of things to make the you know, you know shopping consumer experience better. So uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, we're just, I think, in a shift, uh, you know, in a transition with, uh, you know, shopping center landlords right now as they look to compete against each other as well as to compete for consumers. So, you know, it's great that Oxford Properties has done this. And I think, like I said, Probably this is going to become very mainstream quite soon with all the landlords only because, you know, the world is changing quite quickly and tech companies are, you know, approaching landlords and, you know, trying to get business and, you know, trying to create innovation. And, you know, I think that, you know, we'll see quite a bit more of this in the future as well as including also, you know, pass and lounge, which is that, you know, you can get your measurements done uh, in a store. You'll know something fits exactly well. I mean, there's just so much technology coming down uh, the pipeline right now that I think that, you know, retail will transform in the next two to three years. and may also almost be unrecognizable so again it's stay tuned i mean i don't even know what's coming up next it's, it's pretty uh, interesting and fun yeah well and my thing is that we just went through talking about how some of the um, mall landlords are trying to do things like elevate their um, food experience trying to um, just do that experiential retail so it just seems like they're trying to get more people in to kind of try to do that experience you stay longer you spend more money kind of thing um, but then you also have the other side of the coin where you got the guys, likely, most of the time, stereotypically, that just want to go in, surgically get it, and get out. So this uh, search, find, and shop now um, platform just seems to also kind of cater to that type, as well as if you're looking for that specific item that you're not making a trip all the way down there for nothing. So like, and then that's just as aggravating and turning off as and then probably encouraging you not to want to go there much more either. So it's interesting because they need to cater to both, right? So You got it. Give the consumer what they want and you're going to win and give it to them how they want it. Exactly. But <laughs> other than that, thank you very much, Craig, for going through these top articles for the day. It turned out that we had six, so that's awesome. Uh, but anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Please email us if you have questions. And also remember to subscribe for whichever five stars get the word out. So thank you very much, Craig, for joining us and to, uh, see you all in the world. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Take care.